Tune in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Discologist. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual, coming to you live-ish from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, on the eve of Summerfest launching. Big-ass music festival. Look it up. It's, I'm excited to get out there and check that out this year, our first year here. Uh, today, we have a good little show for you about a great little album, maybe a big album. I don't know. Uh, Eric Johnson. He's the man behind Fruits, amongst other things. A remarkable artist that... Uh, truth be told, was one of the original artists we bonded over, myself, Andre, Carrie, and uh, Paul, when we started this whole Chunky Glasses site that this podcast is a part of. Uh, the album was Tripper. I had never heard it then, as you hear me and Michael discuss, but uh, quickly fell in love with the album and his career. And then years later, uh, he ends up in our basement talking about life and everything. It was, um, And we made him ramen. So... Which is to say that, like, Fruit Bats is sort of in our DNA a little bit. So there's never going to be a time when we're like, this Fruit Bats album is terrible. Luckily, there's never going to be a time when Eric makes an album that's terrible. Uh, Gold Past Life is really, I think, it might be his best. It's hard to say when everything that he makes is great. But but this is sort of the end of a journey. He started on EDJ. He's in a darker place. Uh, then uh, Absolute Loser, uh, you know, coming out of it a little bit. But this... Um, without getting into politics even on this, this is sort of a, a ray of light, something to grasp onto, uh, if you're not feeling as hopeful, uh, as you would like to feel. At least that's how, that's how I feel. But, uh, it's his first for Merge. Uh, it is a remarkable collection of songs. So that's what we're going to talk about. So I think let's just get to it. If that's what you're here for and you're like, I love fruit bats. Cool. If you're like, I don't know fruit bats, get ready. You're going to have your mind blown. Uh, here is the bottom of it off Fruit Bat's stellar new album, Gold Past Life. bit of bottom of it off of fruit bats this is now their shit 
uh, maybe their eighth album, Gold Pass Life. Yeah, no, it's actually their ninth because I'm going to go ahead and count EDJ mm-hmm. uh, as as a Fruit Bats album. Joining me right now is Mr. Michael Zwern. Good evening. Um, now, I think as fans of indie rock, we both have a certain affinity for Fruit Bats, aka Eric Johnson's material. Uh, he he popped out on the scene in around 2001, and he's just been sort of everywhere, including my basement. I, I should point that out. But, uh, you know, he, he writes this, like, super smart, seemingly pop music, but there's, there's, there's a lot of depth to it, a lot of layers. I got acquainted with Fruit Bats right around the time that they were just emerging. I saw them uh, at a show in Portland in 2002, and they were opening for Shins when the Shins were still sort of a local indie band in, D- in Portland mm-hmm. that had a lot of expectations. And uh, Fruit Bats were one of their opening bands, and I don't think that uh, Mouthfuls had come out yet. I think that their first record was out, and I sort of became aware of them then and followed them, but I'd kind of lost track of the band for a while. I think um, they're easy to take for granted because the quality mm-hmm. of the writing has been very high. The consistency yeah. of the records has always been very solid. And uh, another Fruit Bats record sounds very much like another Fruit Bats record. It's all good, but it it, it had kind of lost my attention after a couple of years. I think the last record I paid a lot of attention to was the ruminant band record, which was um, dating myself now 10 years ago, which didn't seem like it was that long ago. But when I looked at it, I was like, Oh, that was 2009. So that's been a while. Here's what's interesting is that, is that I, I didn't get into fruit bats until the album after that trip. Ah, okay. And it remains, it remains to this day, a uh, desert Island album for me. But yeah, I, I came late to the party, man. Well, and I was there early and then I kind of lost track of them for a while. And so it's it's really neat to have um, Eric Johnson back. This is, um, is, correct me if I'm wrong here. Is this the first Fruit Bats record on this label deal? Is that it correct? Is. That's it what is. I thought. Yeah, they'd been on Sub Pop for a long time. And I think their early stuff was mostly Sub Pop. And, and I think I kind of lost track. And then this record, I think, we started, you know, chatting about it, and it really reminds me of just how solid a musician and a songwriter he is, and and how enjoyable these albums are. They're they're superficially a little, almost a little glib because they're melodic and easy to listen to, and then you start <laughs> listening to them and paying more attention to the lyrics and the complexity of the compositions, and there's a lot more depth there than you might give them credit for. Yeah, and, he, and he's very, uh, he's a self-deprecating dude. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very, he's very humble about his talents. Uh, either when like I've talked to him or any interviews you see him in and and but he, he takes this shit very seriously to put it mildly mm-hmm. and you know these are kind of uh his his babies he puts them out in the world I think he just tweeted that you know my new baby is out in the world and um you know I, I hesitate to call him him and this music a hippie mm-hmm. but but it, it it does very much have the vibe of just like hey man it's 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 cool man this is um this is sort of the end of, of a little trilogy i i the, mentioned edj up top because that was not uh fruit bad set tripper was a decent hit for him on sub pop uh and so the album immediately after that edj uh there was some personal crisis in his family i'm not going to rehash it here Look it up if you're interested. Uh, but at any rate, it, he he lost a lot of, I guess, confidence just in in being. Hmm. Uh, and you can hear some of that in in our conversation from uh, 2016, I believe. But uh, he, he came back with 
Absolute Loser as a Fruit Bats album, an official Fruit Bats album. And this is now a weird long road to uh, to getting out of regret. One was a result of the depression and stuff that because of, of this tragedy. And then uh, Absolute Loser was sort of resetting everything, I think. But this is this is something else. This is back to a, a place that he he was before where his songs always gave me hope. Uh, that of a of a different world, a better world. That's an interesting take. I I kind of caught from the vibe of this record. There was this sort of tone of affectionate regret for a lot of this record that kind of pervades things, where it seems like he's mourning the things that people, places that have disappeared from his life, but who leave a warm memory. It feels yeah like he's sad about his losses, but he's come to a point of acceptance and he can look upon the brighter aspects of the parts of his life he may have shared. And Casadera, and I had to Google this, like, what is this thing? I don't think it actually exists, but there's a town in right. California called Casadero with a O at the end, little arts community. And I was like, oh, well, that might be what he's alluding to. I don't think it's a word. I think it's a sound that he gravitated yeah. to. Uh, but that was one of the songs I wanted to sort of spotlight. So terrified that when my last day comes, I'll be unprepared for it. But I rise above cause I was loved. Just how he's got this pervasive tone of acceptance, calm, you know, a bit of a bit of distance from his previous pain. While he's not acknowledged, he's not saying it's gone away, but he's at a different stage in his life. And there's a lot of this record that kind of deals with the aftermath of loss. The idea that that love can save you uh, is nothing new in rock and roll. But uh, I'm a sucker for it. If you're going to put it out there. Uh, there is, you know, this is a dark song. He's, he's, you know, the the existential question: What happens when you die? Mm-hmm. But much like all his other music, there's this, there's a line in here. Sometimes I just feel gone, gone. Can't wrap my mama my mind, and it drops like this, this, the beautiful like 
buoyant, joyous, like pop troupe in the middle of this just dark song. And the line is, can't wrap my mind around who I am. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, and I think that gets to the heart of his talents is that he understands the pop idiom so well and is doing things with it that most people honestly wish they were able to. And you're not the indie pop listener that I've always been. So for yeah. you for you to acknowledge that is uh, more noteworthy. I mean, like I gravitate toward this stuff because it sounds like the sort of stuff that I like. But, you know, if you're not a big listener to sort of uh, acoustic, electric, indie pop music by, you know, singers, songwriters who look like they, you know, might grow their hair a little long and smoke a little weed and whatnot, because a lot of people kind of fit that bill i mean eric johnson yeah. is just really really good and he is in that kind of genre <laughs> yes <laughs> on on the uh, on the first track on this album let me read off who who all is on this track um you have devandra banhart greta mm-hmm. morgan meg Duffy, neil casal mm. nico case peter bajorn and john <laughs> tim ramsey and trevor bell jimenez i mean he's got it man he, he's going for it there's there's another song on here um, while we're while we're talking about that existential sense of regret or or coming to terms with all that. There's this song, uh, "A Lingering Love." I used to think I needed order, but not so much anymore. Something about that just fucking leveled me. Mm. Uh, I, I, I mean, when you look back on your life at whatever point you choose to do it, you like everybody has regrets. And, and I think the challenge of life is how you move through them and how you learn to accept like the things you did, the things that happened to you. Uh, and, and that is one of those, you know, things where it's just like, yeah, you know, it, do, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> a lot of times the world doesn't make sense. And it's okay. And when you get to that point in life, life's pretty sweet, man. Yeah, there's, I mean, so many of the songs deal either explicitly or implicitly with kind of grappling with these big questions. Is there a God? How are you supposed to relate to the divine? What happens after people die? This sounds like a really heavy thing. But listening to the record, it doesn't convey that impression musically. Once you read the lyrics, once you start delving into the recurring themes, then you get a sense of some of the challenges that the songwriter might be overcoming. Um, there was, you know, there's some musical touchstones that don't, you know, don't immediately strike someone as being the the touchstones of a really deep record. There's some bits that sound like the Lemonheads. There's a bit that sounds really a bit like 
Ken Stringfellow's solo record when he was uh, outside of the posies for a little bit, you know, pure power pop, jangly guitars, whatever. Uh, and the title track is the sort of Bee Gees like falsetto disco stomper. Uh, <laughs> but there's like a lot of depth here and his lyrics are just so cutting. There's a line about, um, still I can smell the ocean yet we're a thousand miles from any coast. And that's sort of like got yeah. this wintry chill to it. Like, you know, you're so distant from the things that matter to you and it, you know, you listen to this record and it's, it's kind of a breezy listen and on the first go round and then you start listening to it again. You start thinking just this guy's got a lot going on and he's grappling it with it in a really thoughtful, elegant kind of way. I don't quite know. Uh, you, you were talking about Absolute Loser. I had not paid a lot of attention to Absolute Loser, but I did see the video, the amazing video for Humbug Mountain Song, yeah, yeah. which is the bonkers video about the, the human bear hunting thing. Um, and I went back and I looked, and it looks like the critical attention has kind of moved away from Fruit Bats. And I don't know why that is, but like Pitchfork used to cover all their stuff. And then they kind of yeah. stopped a couple of years ago. They kind of dropped a little bit below the radar, I think. It was, well, it was the EDJ shift, I think, yeah. and that's something, you know, I actually went back and listened to our interview today, and, and you know, he, he we talked about that, and how, uh, and unfairly, like, people were like, oh, well, this isn't Fruit Bats anymore, even though it totally was Fruit Bats. It was it was one of the better Fruit Bats albums. It was dark, uh, and there, there was no real out for it. I think people in a, a space like Pitchfork, they move on. Um, not necessarily loyal to too many artists. It was a reboot. Yeah. In every sense of the word, just him being on Merge is a reboot. He went from Sub Pop to like these small labels that put out the last two albums. And and now he's on, uh, honestly, for my money, the best place he can be. Merge makes sense uh, for him. After years of doing this, he found uh, just sort of his people. Uh, it, it, it's just a continuing collaboration um, with him and how he wants to be an artist. And yeah, just the idea that he has after all these sort of bad things, you come through the other side and um, it, there's no way to say if it's better, but it is, it's, it's okay. Right. Right. And he's still, he's still able to go for it and like make great albums. Um, I think it's funny. You mentioned the, the, uh, <laughs> the disco-ness or beachiness of, of gold past life. That song in particular is you, you thought that that, or you said that that was not, that was so different from any other fruit bats. That was the sound that actually sucked me in the fruit bats. Red! 
because it is very disco-y. Um, and that's an art form that you can, not a lot of people did it, but when people did do it, well, there's darkness underneath that. You're, it's dance music, but there's like a lot of darkness. Like the BG songs, like everything off uh, main course. It's not some really <laughs> good stuff going on there. I should know not to mention the Bee Gees in your presence, because I think you'll probably yeah. go into much more depth than I ever would. It just yeah. had that Saturday Night Fever uh, falsetto harmony to it. And I immediately thought, well, this this doesn't sound like the, the Fruit Bats I knew. But of course, like I said, I came to Fruit Bats in 2002, 2003 with Mouthfuls and then those records. And then you came to him at a different point in the, his musical evolution. So your frame of reference is a little different than mine. But Bee Gees to me was not would have been would not have been the obvious uh, you know inspiration right. for an Eric Johnson song. Well, and the Bee Gees were were totally influenced like everybody like the Beatles mm-hmm. uh, by the Beatles, and you know they were the uh, Australian Beatles. But this line, you know, you're never gonna feel as right than in your gold past life. Right? How perfect a line is that? Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it's, it's like it's still got that sense that things used to be better. You're always gonna look back on those days and think things could have been like that again, and even though it's sort of a disco stomper and it feels like something inconsequential, it's actually talking about the fact that, you know, some things in your life are never going to go back to the way that they once were. Yeah. Which, which is a pretty, you know, thoughtful lyric for a disco song, which is basically what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, yeah. It's, and, and again, that's, I think this is where his talent lies. This is where his, his power lies as a songwriter. Uh, this is why I keep coming back to his music because it is about at the end of the day, um, the messiness of being like a person and all and everything that comes along with that. And, uh, you know, even in, by the end of the song, you can try to outrun, like you can hold up your vision of what you were and try to like be that for as long as you can. But like, eventually that's going to catch up with you. Yeah. So can, then, we, and, yeah. So say, can we talk a little bit about how good a guitar player Eric Johnson is? Because, <laughs> I have the, and I think we've talked about this. There's this um, tribute record to John Fahey of uh, Tacoma Park, Maryland. I am the resurrection. And Fruit Bats does this song, Death of the Clayton Peacock, which is, um, it's a, it's a John Fahey, you know, acoustic guitar song where he's, where Johnson is showing just how good he's kind of mastered that particular style of primitivist guitar playing. And the guitar playing on this record is just really lovely. Sometimes it's quite simple on, the popular songs, uh, Drawn Away and uh, a couple of others. And other times it's got these really interesting kind of quiet pieces in them that, to me, I, I was thinking a little bit of, of some of the Chris Bell solo records after yep. Big Star. And I'm sure that uh, Eric Johnson has listened to a lot of Big Star. Um, and then, you know, his interest in primitivist guitar playing and just lovely guitar work. I, I I haven't seen him literally since 2002, so I don't know what he's like as a guitar player in concert now. But he's just a remarkably good acoustic guitarist, and most of what he plays, I think, is acoustic. And I think he has, you know, a lot of other musicians. You've alluded. I've not looked at the the full list of the instrumentalists on this record. He's got a lot of right, collaborators. Right. Yeah, but for sure. It, he, yeah, he's, I mean, he, I mean, he has to eventually, uh, originally this was not necessarily a band. It was him. So, right. you know, I mean, it, it makes sense that he's good at this stuff. I, I would argue that he's also, he's good at, at, um, get whatever it needs, whatever needs to get done for the song. That's what he's good at. The, the song Ocean, mm-hmm. 
like there's a point in there where his falsetto shifts up and it is almost as if like John Lennon is speaking to him cause back when I needed someone you took me in like I was some orphan kid and you drove me to the ocean right and watching the wheels go round and round right uh, and and I'm sure that's intentional. You can't, I mean, you, you can't do something that iconic, but like he, he can, that, that at the same time is just the use of his voice. He knew the part that it needed and he knew what it needed to do. And then as an arranger, he puts all these together. So, um, yeah, it's, it's no surprise that, that, you know, you're feeling that he's great at guitar. You know, I, I just call it songwriting. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know, like, I don't know if he plays drums or anything, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, he has a holistic approach to art, uh, that is like utterly refreshing in 2019, you know, and listening to this record straight through, you know, you hear some darkness, you hear some optimism, you hear some, some mystery and some obvious sort of delightful songs. But, uh, but I think that there's some distance between the performer Eric Johnson and the records that come out. I, I'm, I'm yeah. sure that's true. Um, so a couple quick bits I wanted to call to your attention. This will, this will make you laugh on the song, barely living room, which, which now that I've heard a little bit more about Eric Johnson's past, I can even get a, a greater sense of the chill that's underlying that record. It's the second song I've heard that's been coming out recently that mentions a specific type of lawn grass. And I don't think I've ever heard it. It mentions fescue. Have you ever heard the word fescue in a rock song? No, I haven't. I haven't. Me but, neither. But, it, but if it rhymes. It rhymes. Well, actually, he he, it, he didn't need to have that odd word. It must have been a very specific word because that was the right word for the right song. But Marion McLaughlin had zoysia grass recently. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, that's wow, right. Who, who's writing songs about lawn grass? Yeah, specificity, man. Specificity. specificity will get you everywhere in a song. It's true. When you we can give a concrete, you know, very tangible metaphor or or lyric, it really helps a lot. And also, you mentioned his similarity to a John Lennon uh, vocal style. In the bottom of it, which is the opener, he has a bit that totally reminds me of the lyric "Hands across the water, hands across the sea," which is a John, yeah. which is a Paul McCartney bit oh, from McCartney. from Uncle Albert, uh, his first uh, whatever one of his first solo hits. Not a not a big McCartney fan, but there's a melody that totally reminds me of that solo McCartney bit. Yeah, and you know Eric Johnson really is well versed in his influences, so it's nice to hear those little callbacks. Maybe they're intentional, maybe they're just subliminal, but but you know he he's a real craftsman. Yeah, and and if I had guessed, like the, at the end of the day, this album is what happens when you um when you finally like get free of whatever it is that, that's that's a drag. Mm-hmm. And um, it, there, there is a, a very different energy uh, between this and uh, and the last album, Absolute Loser and EDJ, for right. sure. Yeah. Um, but I, and I don't want to say it's better. It's just it's just different, and it is um, like just another milepost along the line of you know I said we don't see you know there, there's a the character of Eric Johnson, and this goes for any singer songwriter. You know, there's the performer and there's the person. I think he does put more into this stuff uh, than a lot of people. And I think that's why it resonates with a lot of people there. If you think about, you know, back when um, 
Mouthfuls came out or Echolocation. There, there was so much going on similar to that that uh, it, it there had to be something where that made him rise above. That made you know we we actually like Carrie unfortunately couldn't be on this, but that you know this band is like built into like our DNA of what we do here because this is what we bonded over. Mm-hmm. And and the and that. Uh, Obviously, that's not every band, right? And you know, I was I was going back and looking because when when Fruit Bats came out, I associated them with the Shins, who he became a member of and, and toured with later, and yep. Rogue Wave and Vetiver and and like this group of bands that came out around Caliphone. the same time, California. Yeah. Um, and who else was I thinking of? Um, there's another band. Oh yeah. It's similar time as like the new weird America revivalist people. Um, sure. M Ward and court and spark and, and Devendra. Trapper. Oh yeah. That's another Portland reference. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And Eric Johnson never lived in Portland, but somehow I always just associated him with Portland because he's been associated with so many Portland bands. Um, but you know, he's, he's not been exactly a, a band leader It's more like, these floating assemblages of collaborators that he yeah. works with over time. And it's, it's you, nice that you called out that Nico Case is on that first track. I don't know how much of the record she, she gets on, but, right, but right, very right. simpatico, very, um, very like-minded approaches to these maintaining these floating sets of musical collaborators and relationships. You, you know, you visit with them, you appear on their records, they appear on your records. You know, you maintain this floating a constellation of people around you who can kind of help help you realize your artistic vision. And it's not really a band, yeah, it's really an an individual in this case. Well, you know, game recognizes game. And and they and and at this point I, I think, you know, there are people from that time, Nico being one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh everybody is listed on that from that time. They, you know, they put in their dues. They they have the body of work that says, yes, they're they're good enough, you know, that you know, the lingering loves talking about imposter syndrome a little bit, but you know, it, it's, uh, you know, these aren't imposters. Eric's certainly not an imposter. And, and this is creating, um, the, the next chapter of like the American songbook. As all these other little bands fall away, you're, you're these, the songs that are going to stick around are the songs that like actually mean something and weren't just for affect. And, uh, and something like this is going to be, somebody will find it when they're really down and uh, and they'll put it on and maybe they'll listen to it obsessively and it will bring them you know back to life as it <laughs> were uh, I you know I I believe some artists have that power and I, and I think uh, fruit bats for sure and this is um, you know just sort of like a shining example of, of that it's I I have wondered how much merge had to do with this which is an easy it's an easy question to answer, but, uh, or to get answered. But, uh, I, I think it is just about, here's the next phase. And this is one last look at what was going on before. And this is how I got out and whether it's intended to be a handbook of, you know, I, when we reviewed DDJ and, uh, absolute loser said, it's sort of a handbook and dealing with all this stuff, whether this is intended like that or not, or just a strictly personal account, uh, it doesn't really matter because, you know, as we know, these things, once once they make it, it's not theirs anymore. Yeah, it's out in the world. Yeah. It belongs to the listener. Yeah. And uh, and I'm actually, I mean, I'm glad this, this is out in the world. I don't know about you. Uh, I, I'm, 
I, I, I rarely fanboy over artists or albums, but this one is, uh, especially in 2019, this is pretty special. Gold Pass Life by the Fruit Bats is available everywhere you can buy records now. I recommend go out and getting it. I'm waiting on my copy. It'll be here soon. It's fine. It's, it's been listening to this thing all spring. It just slays me every time. Every damn time. Thanks to Michael for hanging out. Thanks to you for hanging out and listening. Uh, if you like what you heard, we are out there on the socials at, at Chunky Glasses uh, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And uh, tell, you all, tell all your friends, subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, and uh, always thanks to our podcast host, Pippa. But uh, I, uh, you can go and, and host your own podcast there. And uh, all of our episodes are there. I think only only 200 are in iTunes or Apple Podcasts now, but all 430 episodes are up there. So check it out, kids. Uh, coming up in the next few weeks, or a few days, actually, going to be talking about Ryan Porter. He has a new album out that is remarkable. So a little jazz talk with our friend Wes and uh, some fun stuff as we get into the summer, some rock and roll. So hang out, kids. Be good to yourselves, and uh, maybe we'll see you at a show. Talk to you soon. Bye.